I want to ask you a question as we start the series today. I appreciate uh, Kyle giving me the opportunity to begin our series on Jonah. But the question I have for you today is, have you ever tried running from the will of God? Has there ever been a time in your life that you knew that God had a will and a purpose for your life and you tried to run from that? Another question I'd like to ask you is, have you ever ran from the presence of the Lord? I believe that oftentimes we run from the will of God. When we're running from the will of God, will also cause us to run from the presence of God. Through this series, we're going to see that Jonah did just that. He ran from the will of God, and he tried to run from the presence of God. And if we will admit it, that we have done the same, just as Jonah has done. One Bible scholar says this about the book of Jonah, that it is one of the most relevant books for our present time. You know, some people, and you have heard this if you have studied about Jonah, some people believe that the book of Jonah is nothing more than an allegory or a parable or that it's a myth. But in the book of Jonah, we will see a series of events that took place in this prophet's life. The book of Jonah is not a story about a, a great fish, even though there is a great fish in the story. The book of Jonah is about God and man. It's about the will of God and how we respond to His will. And we also see that it is about the love of God and how we share it with people. In Jonah, we see more fully the character of God, especially when it comes to His love and His mercy and His grace upon our lives. If you'll notice Jonah, I hope that you'll read the book of Jonah. Uh, it doesn't take you long. It's a short uh, book, but uh, read it as we're going through this series over the next few weeks. But you'll see that Jonah got into trouble because of his attitude. And isn't that the way it is with most of us? I know it is with me. Oftentimes I get into trouble because of my attitude. Jonah had a wrong attitude toward the will of God. Not only did he have a wrong attitude toward the will of God, but he also had a bad attitude toward the word of the Lord, as we will see. This word, word in the first verse here, can be translated instructions. Jonah had a problem with the instructions that God was giving to him. And oftentimes we do that as well. We know that God has given us some instructions. We read his word, and oftentimes we have a bad attitude. Jonah had the attitude that he could take it or leave it. Not only did he have a bad attitude toward the word of the Lord, but he had a bad attitude toward the circumstances, his circumstances. And if we would be honest, oftentimes we, we complain and we, we cry about the circumstances that are going on in our lives. But we'll also see that he had a wrong attitude toward people. You know, the people of Nineveh 
you know, Jonah's attitude was that he really didn't care if they had experienced the love of God or not. Let's begin. Let's look at uh, Jonah chapter 1. We'll look at God's call and Jonah's response. Take your Bible and turn to Jonah chapter 1, and we'll begin with verse 1. Verse 1 says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Your translation may use the word instructions, but this was a word directly for Jonah. It was a word from the Lord to Jonah. In verse 2, we see that there are two imperatives. There was an urgency in this call that uh, God was giving to Jonah. We see that God says, arise and go. Some translations uses the words, go at once. This was a definite call and instructions from the Lord uh, to Jonah. The Lord didn't say, Jonah, if you want to wait a couple of months and think about it, then maybe you could go to Nineveh if that's what you want to do. The Lord didn't say, Jonah, I want you to take some time and I want you to pray about it. That was not the instructions to Jonah at all. He said, arise and go. And the destination was Nineveh. And we see in the scripture it calls it that great city. Now, Nineveh was not that great city that it was the, the capital of the tourist world. Not everybody was wanting to go to Nineveh. Jonah definitely didn't want to go to Nineveh. Great in this passage of Scripture is talking about its size. It was a big city. It was, it was a large city. And Jonah was not excited about going to Nineveh. And I, I know when you guys sent us uh, to Hawaii on our 15th anniversary, and we are still so appreciative of, of that trip. That was just an incredible experience. I can tell you that we packed our suitcases a month before we were actually ready to go. Jonah, he was not excited about going to Nineveh. It was not going to be a sightseeing trip for him. If you'll remember that Nineveh was built by the great hunter Nimrod. Nineveh was an extremely important city. It was strongly fortified. And at one time, it was the capital of Assyria. This was not a sightseeing trip uh, for Jonah. Looking in verse 2, says he was to cry out against it or to inform them that their wickedness had became known to me, had been, become known to God. Nineveh was a hopeless place. But Nineveh was a place that needed the hope of Jesus Christ. And Jonah was to come and pronounce judgment against the city if they didn't turn to the Lord. The wickedness and evilness of the city made, in this passage of Scripture we see, made the Lord very angry. And Jonah was the one to pronounce this message of judgment against it. How would you like to have been Jonah at this time? Jonah knew that was what the Lord wanted him to do. And Jonah rebelled against God. In one translation, the word wickedness is paraphrased like this. It smells 
to the highest heaven. I thought about bringing a can of sardines in here and opening, opening them up and pulling them out, but it wouldn't have been a good thing if I'd have done that. I can't believe that at one time I used to eat those things as a little boy. And as children, little children will eat different things most of the time, not all the time. But uh, the can of sardines just smelt. And, you know, if you were in the belly of that fish, that great fish as Jonah was, the Bible says that their wickedness smelt worse than that. I don't know if you've been to a place where there are rotten fish out on the bank or not, but you know how it smells? Their wickedness smelt worse than that. Their wickedness had become so bad that God had a special call upon Jonah's life. Now, if you know much about the Assyrians in the ancient times, they were a very cruel and brutal group of people. And I, as I was reading through some different commentaries about Assyria and, and what was going on at that time, they had a very cruel method of getting information from their victims. Let me just share a couple of those with you. And I know that there's children in here today, but let me just share just a couple of those. One of the procedures is that they would take a guy out into the desert and they would dig a deep hole in the, in the sand and they would put him in the sand and they would bury him up to his neck and they would pack that sand all around him until he could not move. And then they would take a leather strap and they would put it through his tongue and they would leave him there until... Uh, he, until he passed away. They are also noted for tearing off the lips and the hands and the arms of their victims, and, and they would fillet people alive. And if you went through the city of Nineveh, there were piles of skulls throughout the city. It was a very wicked place. One commentary that I was reading said that they were so brutal that entire towns would commit suicide instead of being taken by the Assyrians. Knowing this, what would you have done if you'd have been uh, Jonah? God notices what's going on. And sometimes we ask, where is God? There is so much evil in this world in which we live and with the things that's going on in the schools, we need to pray for our students. We need to pray for our teachers, and as there is so much that's going on in, in our schools throughout the country today, and oftentimes we wonder, God, what are you doing? Where are you at? If you're such a caring and compassionate God, then why don't you do something about everything? Sometimes that is our attitude. This text portrays God as one who notices. It also portrays God as one who is active. God is active in our world in which we live. You don't have to look too hard to see that God is active. And God takes sin seriously. You know, our sin in our eyes may not be as bad as that of Nineveh. But in God's eyes, he sees our sin. And we can't hide the sin that's in our lives, the disobedience. 
you know, oftentimes we could be critical of Jonah, saying, man, what were you thinking about? Why didn't you do what God wanted you to do? But knowing the reputation and the condition of Nineveh, I would have done the same thing. I'm sure if I would have been put in that situation, and if we're honest with us today, when oftentimes when God calls us to do something, we run the other way just as uh, Jonah did. Many people in our world today ignore God, and they assume that he ignores them. Many people believe that God has set this world in motion, and then it goes on unnoticed. But you know, from this story, we see that God sees the evil in the world in which we live. And he sees the evil, the wickedness that's in our lives, the sin, the disobedience that's in our lives. Charles Spurgeon said this, that God never allows his children to sin successfully. And Jonah is proof of this truth. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6, For whom the Lord loves, he chastens. For whom the Lord loves, he disciplines us. The Lord loves you. And when you're going through those difficult times and you feel like you're being disciplined by the Lord, it's because he loves you and he cares for you and he wants the best for you. In verse 3, we see that Jonah makes a tragic decision. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, and he found the ship going to Tarsus, and he paid the fare. And he went down into it and, uh, to, to go with them to Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. Let me ask you this. Did Jonah really believe that he could flee from the presence of the Lord? Psalms chapter 139 verse 7 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Do we really believe that we can flee from the presence of the Lord? God created us. Do you really believe that, that when you're living in a, a life of disobedience that you can flee from his presence? One theologian explained it this way, by fleeing from the Lord's presence, Jonah announces his unwillingness to serve God, and his actions are nothing less than open rebellion against God. When we refuse to do what God has called us to do, we are living in open rebellion against the sovereignty of God. Did Jonah really stop <coughs> Excuse me, to think about <clears throat> the consequences of his actions? If he considered the consequences, do you think he would have kept running? I don't know. We'll look at something in the text here in just a few moments that will answer that question. Did he run from the presence of the Lord because of fear of what was going to happen to him in Nineveh? 
Was he going to be one of those that whenever he came to announce judgment upon the city, to tell them that God's judgment was going to come upon them? Was, did he have a fear that they were going to dig in the desert sand and put him in there and, and cover him up? Maybe fear was one of the things that he was afraid of, of what was going to happen to him. But I believe from this scripture, we see that one of his greatest fears was that he was afraid the Ninevites would repent and turn to God. You know, one commentary that I was reading, it said that maybe one of the reasons, maybe the main reason that Jonah fled from the presence of the Lord and didn't want to go to Nineveh was that maybe he had seen uh, the Ninevites, the Assyrians, kill his mother and father and rape his sister. Maybe that was the reason he didn't want to go. Maybe that was the reason he didn't want them to repent. You know how it is when someone attacks a family member. You know, you don't want the best for that other person that's bringing that attack. But maybe that's the reason. Jonah was prepared to risk his life at sea than to face up to God's call and the consequences of his actions. We're just the same. Sometimes we are prepared to risk everything. We're, we're prepared to risk our families, our jobs, our, everything that we have instead of following the will of God. I want to pull out three truths from verses 1 through 3. In this chapter, there are so many things that, that can be uh, applied to our lives today, but I want to pull out three things just from these three verses. One, God calls people to serve Him. God is calling you to serve Him I'm not telling you that he's going to call you to be a foreign missionary. I'm not telling you that he's going to ask you to pack your bags and, and go to seminary or, or to go to another country. I'm not saying that at all. God may not be calling you to be a pastor of a church. He may not be calling you to, to be a, a, a clergy. But God is calling people. He is calling you to serve him. Number two, God cares enough about us that when we're out of His will, we can still experience His love and His forgiveness and His hope and His grace. No matter where you're at in your life right now, God loves you. If you're running from the will of God, if you're running from the presence of the Lord, God loves you and He forgives us. And you can still experience his love and his grace. Number three, you cannot run from the presence of the Lord. No matter how hard you're trying this morning to run from his presence, you cannot run from the presence of the Lord. Psalms 139 verse 5 says, You hem me in behind and before you lay your hand upon me. I believe that, that we're in the hands, in the arms of God. We cannot run from His presence. Let me ask you this. What are you running from today? 
Are you running from the presence of the Lord? Are you running from the will of the Lord today? On Sunday, July the 15th, you heard Kyle say that God has called you to an exciting faith. I would just add this to that, that God has called you to serve Him. And you know, when we are excited about what God is doing in our lives, we can't help but to serve Him. We want other people to experience those things that we're experiencing, that exciting faith. God calls us to serve Him. Number two, there are consequences for our disobedience. And I believe that oftentimes God allows these consequences that happen in our lives for our, because of our disobedience to draw us back to God. Sometimes we have to hit rock bottom before we ever call out to the Lord. Verse 4 says, But the Lord sent a great wind. God was responsible for this supernatural storm that took place. God has a purpose in creating this supernatural storm. We see that he's going to save a city through this great storm. And we see that he's going to take a prophet who had turned his back on God, who was running from the presence of God and from the will of God. God was going to use this supernatural storm to turn him around and to get him back on the right track. The mariners were sailors, and they knew that this was not a natural storm. These guys were pagans. They worshipped other gods. And Jonah was out of the will of God. He was going in the opposite direction and running from the presence of the Lord. If you looked on a map where Jonah was at, uh, and Nineveh was, was over, here, over here and Joppa was here, Jonah was right here, he was going to go to the closest place, to Tarsus. Nineveh was a long way away. He was running a long way away uh, from the Lord. Jonah, he wasn't very miserable. And sometimes when we're running from the presence of the Lord, you know, you would think that our lives would be miserable, but not Jonah. He thought everything was all right, and, but maybe he was just so exhausted. Have you ever been at that point in your life of running from the Lord, and you're just so exhausted from fleeing from his presence? And being disobedient. Maybe Jonah was so exhausted that he was able to fall asleep in this supernatural storm. It says, and he fell fast asleep. Your Bible might say that he had fallen into a deep sleep. My question to you is this, can you be out of the will of God and living in, in, uh, in unconfessed sin and being disobedient to the Lord, and still believe that life is good. I believe that it's possible to be out of the will of God, and still the circumstances appear okay, and that they're working on our behalf, and we have that false sense of security that everything is okay, and we can still have a good night's rest. 
God was preparing Jonah for a great fall. Look in verse 6. There was an urgency from these ca- the captain of this boat. I could just hear it in his tone. What are you doing asleep? Get up. What are you doing sound asleep? Get up. He didn't come over to Jonah and say, Now, Jonah, it, it's not okay. You know, there's a big storm coming. There was an urgency in this uh, captain of the ship. Now, we see in this passage of Scripture that Jonah gets up and he goes and he sees that there is a great storm. They cast lots and it fell on Jonah. Not only is God using this supernatural storm now to get Jonah to turn back, but he also uses the lot. It fell upon Jonah. Notice what happens in verse 8. Apparently, Jonah had had some time to talk to these sailors, but he hasn't told them anything about himself. He certainly is no witness for God yet, but let me remind you that Jonah was out of the will of God. He was still out of the will of God. And when we're out of the will of God and when we're living in unconfessed sin and disobedience to the Lord, it affects our witness. These guys had some questions for Jonah. Look in verse 8. Then they said to him, Please tell us, for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and what people are you? He had not yet told them that he was a prophet who worshipped the living God or where he was from, or, or what he was called to do to go to Nineveh. Jonah hasn't said any of that yet. And even when he went to pay the fare uh, to get on that ship, Jonah never mentioned that he was out of the will of God and that he was to go to Nineveh to pronounce judgment upon that city. And you know, sometimes we too are reluctant to be that witness. We may not be out of the will of God. We may not have unconfessed sin in our lives. We may not be living a life of disobedience, but we're reluctant to be that witness, to begin that conversation with a co-worker, with a family member, or with a friend. If God is calling you to do something, He is going to equip you to do what he has called you to do. He will give you the strength to do what he has called you to do. And then in verse 9, Jonah, he, he says, I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. I believe at this point, uh, Jonah was, this was just eating at him knowing what he should have done and and that he didn't do it, I believe that this was bothering Jonah. And so Jonah told them that he was fleeing from the Lord. Verse 12, Jonah tells them, just pick me up and throw me overboard, and then everything will be all right. But I find something interesting in verse 13. I believe that God is working in the hearts of these sailors. Because what did they do? 
They didn't just beat him up and, and want to throw him over and, and to say, what were you doing getting on our, our ship, our boat? No, we see in this passage of Scripture that these guys rode hard to get to the other side, to get to the land, but the waves were too, the water was too rough. God had a plan for Jonah, and nothing was going to stop this plan. These guys had seen and experienced the mighty hand of God, and they didn't want Jonah's blood on their hands. We see a change taking place in these guys' lives. They're now turning to the true and living God. They are desperate. They call upon the Lord to forgive them for what they're going to do. Oftentimes, we do the same thing. When we are desperate, when we are struggling, when we are down and out, when we are, are at the bottom in, and we cry out to God in desperation and ask the Lord to deliver us. Verse 16, they feared the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and they made vows. God took the disobedience of Jonah and turned it into a life-changing experience for these guys. Jonah trying to run from the presence of the Lord, getting on that boat and the lot falling upon him and, and them throwing him overboard. God used these to bring about something good in these guys' lives. I want to go back to the question that I asked you earlier. Are you running from the Lord today? Are you running from the will of God in your life? Are you running from His presence today? What is making you run from the presence of the Lord? Has God called you to do something? Is there some sin that's in your life, something that you're holding on to that you won't let go? Are you being <clears throat> disobedient? disobedient because the Lord has something that he wants you to do. Who are the Ninevites in your life? People that God is wanting you to reach out to. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a friend. Young people, maybe it's somebody that you're going to be going to school with. Who are the Ninevites in your life? You know, if we look around us, there are people all around us who we would consider Ninevites, people that we really don't care if they experience the love of Christ. Marcus Barris is working with a group of people right here in Amarillo, and he has invited us as a staff and, and as a church to be a part of reaching out with the love of Christ to the homeless here in Amarillo. And it is, it's a, a, an amazing experience. All we're doing is going out and giving food, serving hamburgers to the homeless here in Amarillo. And uh, that's something that Marcus is passionate about. A few weeks ago, some of you began to pray for a group of our friends, 17 of them from, from Pampa who went on this mission trip, and they got caught up in this riot there in this, this country. And their vehicles were beat with rebar, and they were threatened with guns, and, and they had to take shelter. 
And uh, some have come up and said, why would they put themselves in a situation that they knew that there could be some danger? It's because those little boys and girls need to know about the love of Christ. It's because those who were doing the rioting, who were beating their vehicles with the rebar, who had their guns drawn on them, it's because those men needed to know about the love of Christ. You have been called to share the love of Christ. A story was told to me not long ago. This uh, couple had moved to another, another state. And they were attending this church. And there was a family there, a single mom with a little child who, who uh, could not, have, well, the little child had some disabilities. And so it made it very difficult for her to set in the worship service with this little child. And so this, uh, this other adult had the attitude, you know, I have attended many, many worship services, and I'll do whatever it takes so that she can go in and worship the Lord and be fed. So this person kept this little child so that she could go into worship. Folks, there are ministries throughout this church that we need your help. You have been called to share and to show the love of Christ. If you're here this morning and, and you're running from the will of God, you know that God has called you to do something and you're trying to run from His will and you're running from the presence of the Lord, God loves you and He cares for you and He wants you to come back to Him, to serve Him, to worship Him, and to make a difference in the world in which we live. Are you running from the presence of the Lord this morning? Grant and our team are coming up, and uh, we're going to give you an opportunity to respond to what God is doing in your life and what God is speaking into your life today about. Are you running from the presence of the Lord? Would you pray with me, please? Father, we come before you, Lord. Father, oftentimes you call us to do things that uh, we are uncomfortable with. Father, that we really don't want to do, but you're calling us to serve you. And Father, when you're calling us to serve you, you will equip us to do those things. Father, that we don't have to do those things in our own strength. But, Father, that you will strengthen us. You will give us. You will equip us, Lord, to do those things that you have called us to do. So, Father, if we're here today and we're running from your will and we're running from your presence, God, I pray that you would draw us back to you today. Father, that you would show us your love and your mercy and your grace. Father, that we would turn back to you this morning. So, Father, I pray that you'll move in our hearts and our lives. For it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. The question is, are you running from the Lord today? 
Maybe you're here and you know that God has called you to serve him. But you've been running. You'd say, Dale, I am really comfortable in that life group that I attend. Dale, I'm really comfortable letting someone else do what God is calling me to do. Surely, Dale, there's someone else that will step up and do what God is calling me to do. That's not true. God is calling you to do what He is calling you to do. He's not waiting for someone else to step up and do it. God is calling you to serve Him. Maybe you're here and you've been running from the will of God and you've been running from His presence. And how you've been running from His presence is that you're not in Bible study and worship like you should be that you can find any little excuse not to be here on Sunday mornings or to be here on Wednesday nights or, or to be involved in the ministries of the church. You can find any little reason not to be in the presence of the Lord because you know that you're being convicted of what God is calling you to do. Maybe you haven't been in Bible study like you should. Maybe your prayer life is not what it should be. God is calling you to come back to Him today. Maybe one way you have tried to flee from the presence of the Lord is that you haven't been faithful in, in giving like you know that, that you should and like the Bible says that we should. Maybe you're running from the presence of the Lord. Maybe there are people in your life that you just really don't care if they experience the love of Christ. I want us to examine our hearts because there are people that come into our lives that we have an opportunity to share the love of Christ with, and we don't do it. Are there people just like the Ninevites in Jonah's life? Are there people in your life that God's wanting you to share the love of Christ with. This last week was just an amazing week. I would not trade for what happened this last week at South Lawn. I was to relieve Bridget and Haley. My time was from 3.30, I think, to, to 6, and I was there till a little bit after 6, and I was flooded with people coming to, to uh, be a part of the registration at South Lawn. It was, it, Bridget, you know, man, it was amazing. It was such a blessing to be able to talk to, to those adults. One lady came up, and man, she had been crying. There were tears in her eyes, and they were coming down her cheek. And uh, she said, Dale, why do y'all do this for us? I don't attend your church. I don't attend church any place. Why do you do it? You have done this. Your church has done this for several years. Why do you do it? And I said, it's because we love Jesus and we love people. We love you. And it's not only that we love Jesus and that we love people. It's what God has called us to do what God has called us to do. 
God has called us to go to hurting people with the love of Christ and to share that love of Christ with them. You know, one of the easiest things you can do is you can go to Walmart and you can fill a backpack and, uh, or you can give money so that we can buy the supplies. That's easy to do. But let me challenge you. Let me encourage you to go to South Lawn and be blessed by those folks. I tell you what, I wouldn't trade for what I experienced this week. And to see those little boys and girls, you know, they've seen the backpacks and they said, this is what we're getting? I said, yeah, you're going to get a backpack just like this. There was one little boy, he said, I'm going to get a backpack like this. And I said, yeah, and it's going to be pink. And he looked at me and I said, no, not really. There's all different colors of backpack, blue, black, all different colors. But to see the look on that little guy's face, not just on his, I wouldn't trade for that. Church, thank you for giving. You're going to have an opportunity to serve at South Lawn in a couple of weeks. I think it's August the 14th. That day, we need you to step up. That day is also the day for many of the other schools in our city for Meet the Teacher Night. So older adults, we have an opportunity ahead of us that we can go and we can be a part of because those like Misty and Scott, they have young children. They'll be going to those schools. Grant and Brooke, they'll be taking their children uh, to, to the school that they will be attending. So you have an opportunity to share the love of Christ with people. Are you running from the will of God? Maybe God has called you to surrender to full-time service, to be a pastor, to be a worship pastor, to be a youth pastor or a children's and preschool pastor. Maybe God is calling you, some of you, to do that. Maybe God is calling you to be a foreign missionary. It's not too late. You're not too old. You're not too young. God will equip you. God will will prepare you for what He has called you to do. If you're running from the presence of the Lord today, would you come back to Him? Would you come back to Him today? You know, I believe that God uses the things that happen in our lives to bring us back to Him. If you're experiencing something in your life today that just is a struggle for you, may I, and I don't know what that is. I don't want to say. But maybe there is some consequences that you're experiencing today because of your disobedience to the Lord. Would you come back to Him today? We're going to give you an opportunity to come. You don't have to come to the altar this morning. You know, you can stay right there in your pew and make the decision that God wants you to make. But we're going to ask that you come this morning and just to pray. You know, just to pray that God would have His will and His presence in our lives in a powerful way. I believe that our greatest days, and you have heard me say this, some of you are saying it in your mind right now, 
He always says our greatest days are ahead of us. You know, I truly believe that. I believe as we are in the will of God and we are in His presence, that God is going to do some amazing things in our presence. I want to be a part of that. Maybe you're here today and you're looking for a church home. This is the place to come. Let me tell you, this is an awesome place where we're experiencing the love of Christ. So you come today. Father, we pray, God, that as your people respond to what you have, are calling them to do today, Father, I pray that they will be obedient. And Father, we'll give you all the praise and the glory. For it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Would you please stand? You come this morning. Whatever God has placed upon your heart, you come.